us from the black friend collective. Please type in your four-digit code if you choose to accept. Thank you. Devlin. Another member of the black friend collective named Alyssa would now like to connect with you. Press 1 if you choose to accept. Thank you and don't forget. Stay black. Stay proud. And as always. <laughs> fuck off. This just in. A group of intelligent but inflammatory Negroes have banded together in what they now call BFC or Black Friend Collective. The FBI have been monitoring the situation since early this morning, and though this group has not yet committed any threatening or cautionary acts against the American way, all other federal agencies have been put on high alert and advised to warn the public that they should be viewed as a threat. Despite their relatively innocent appearances, members of this collective have been known to frequent nightclubs, question authority, smoke copious amounts of marijuana, grind, shake, pop, lock, and drop their asses, challenge government as it stands, tweet provocative calls of action, and be gay. What could all of this mean for America's future? The answer after this. I got something to say. Welcome to the Black Friend Collective, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. Um, and Miami, Florida. We're your hosts this week. I'm Devin. And I'm Alyssa. Welcome. So we're going to start off with our sponsor for this week. <laughs> our sponsors are Trump supporters who refused to wear a mask until they saw the president wearing one. So this whole time they've been spewing ridiculous claims about masks, how they uh, alter your oxygen levels and stuff. But now apparently MAGA um, masks are a new hot commodity and suddenly they've changed their minds. So at least they're wearing one now. So that's all I can ask for. I always laugh when people are like, I can't wear a mask because I'm breathing in CO2. And I'm like, are you aware that our planet is dying? And like, you are constantly breathing in CO2 and other shit. Like, people are so ridiculous. It's crazy. And I'm just like, if the president wearing one and putting MAGA on it is what's going to make them wear them, then whatever. At this point, I just want everyone to be healthy so they can have their ridiculous MAGA uh, masks. (laughs) All right, Devin, um, who are you inviting to the Black Friend Collective this week? So today I'm inviting Congressman John Lewis, who just passed away on July 17th. A stream of admirers of all races and backgrounds unified here in the shadow of the late John Lewis. Those who knew him best say it's his humanity and compassion that set him apart. He was an American politician and civil rights leader who served in the U.S. House of Representatives for Georgia um, from 1887 until he died a couple days ago, which is crazy. He served as the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordination Committee um, from 1963 to 1966. Um, He was one of the big six leaders of groups who organized the 1963 March on Washington and he fulfilled many key roles in the civil rights movement and its actions to end legalized racial segregation in the United States. Basically, he was an amazing human being and may he rest in power. 
this week I'm going to invite Reverend C.T. Vivian, um, who also died in the past few days. Atlanta and the nation mourning one of the great lives of the 20th century. The civil rights legend, the warrior, Reverend C.T. Vivian, died overnight at his home. What a life he led. He was 95. He was also part of the Freedom Riders, just like Congressman John Lewis. He founded the Nashville Christian Leadership Con Conference alongside other ministers, and they helped organize protests and sit-ins across the country, and they worked with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, um, and he worked with them throughout his whole life. He helped create a college readiness program for kids who were kicked out of school for protesting racism. He was a key advisor to MLK, and MLK actually called him the greatest preacher to ever live. He helped so many Black voters register to vote um, in Selma and throughout the South. And he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2013 by Obama. So may he as well rest in power. So basically just like two amazing human beings just passed. Honestly, and it is really sad to lose either of them, um, let alone both of them in the same week. I think it's been really hard on the Black community, especially with everything that's going on right now. But I also do want to point out that I think it's so rare for civil rights leaders who created so much change starting in the 1960s and even sometimes before that to make it past, you know, middle, like young adulthood. So the fact that they died um, at 80 years old and 95 years old, respectively, I think is so amazing. And it makes me really happy to know that they kind of saw their what they were fighting for come to fruition. Um, even though we're not fully there yet, um, they were definitely able to see some of their hard work pay off. the recent protests that have been happening and what's come out of them and how we can keep the discussion going because this is really important and what better time to talk about it than the present. And before we get into that, we are going to have a little break and we'll be right back. Black joy. Black joy. Black joy is hallelujah. So our black joy moment um, of the week is Rihanna launching her new skincare line, Fenty Skin. We were wondering where you've been for two years, Rihanna, and we're so excited to see you back in action. Her skin in those promotion videos is so clear. And like, I know she's Rihanna. She has probably like all these estheticians and like the best skincare. But at the same time, like just looking at the promo video, I'm like, take my coins, girl. Like you can have it all. Literally. And like she also has a men's line. Like, I don't really know what that means because, you know, skin is skin. But she's got a line uh, 
tailored for men and I think that's awesome yeah she had ASAP Rocky in that video and like that's my man so (laughs) yeah he's beautiful all right let's get into our topic of the week so we're gonna talk about protesting and as most people who are listening to this podcast probably know I mean I think most of our listeners are probably somewhat aware of our civil unrest that's been going on but um you know protests have been happening I want to say for like two months about now um so it's going to be a really heavy topic um and we've educated ourselves a lot on this and we both have personal experience in this but I guess we'll kind of just see where this conversation goes yeah we don't know everything but we've um we we've both participated in some of the protests and i hope you guys like what we have to say i was involved in a bunch of the protests in new york city violent protests continuing across the country people taking to the streets demanding justice for george floyd floyd died earlier this week and video of a police officer kneeling on his neck for several minutes sparking calls for justice that officer arrested yesterday but protesters say that was not enough the violent protests stretching into brooklyn with police arresting nearly 200 people um because i'm in brooklyn and occasionally in connecticut and that was a really incredible experience because I was like sitting I'd be sitting at home working and watching the news and watching all this stuff happen on the news and it was so moving and powerful and then I would um I would just at 6 p.m I would just go and be a part of these protests and it was um really interesting to see what was actually happening versus what I saw on the television Mm -hmm. there was a big discrepancy there Um, But if you don't already know, it started off as a protest for for George Floyd's life, for justice for George Floyd, Um, and it transformed into a protest where people were calling for justice for all of the senseless killings of Black Americans in the United States, and then it transformed even more and became a powerful movement demanding real concrete changes for the police, policing systems in this country. Um, And I think that people have really come a long way. There's been a bunch of amendments that have been written and it's really great to see. Yeah, it definitely did start um, right after George Floyd was killed, considering he died saying, I can't breathe, which we all know has happened countless times in history and in the past, especially in the past, I think like 10 years or so. So I think that kind of started that outrage. And then from there, it kind of just grew into, okay, this just getting justice for George Floyd isn't enough. We need justice for now Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, um, all the black trans women who have been killed and so forth and so forth. Um, I want to ask you, Devin, what was your experience going to the protests and like kind of what, made you get up off your couch and actually say like I'm gonna go march because you know protesting is like I don't want to say difficult thing but emotionally difficult and like emotionally draining it takes a lot out of you um so what was your experience so it was definitely a positive one the biggest fear was um was COVID you know and I was afraid because I was in New York that I was going to get sick if I participated in these protests but the numbers have shown that um that has not been the case new york numbers have actually been on the decline so that was really great to see and i also was just talking to someone the other day about how this has been like the perfect storm there's been you know everyone's been inside for covid and there's been a lot of uh, joblessness and a lot of long-standing grievances 
um, a lot of people who have been angry for a long time. So this was the perfect moment to have an uprising in this country. Um, and I'm so glad that it did happen. And I was, I did have a overall positive experience with going to the protests. It was really powerful and moving and sometimes very sad to be a part of, but it was incredible. And uh, they're still going on, especially in New York. I don't really, I can't oh, yeah. most of the country, but in New York, like McCarran Park, which is right near where I live, people have vigils and sit-ins and discussions all the time. And it's really awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. Protests definitely have not died down. People are out there every single day. I think um, it was Portland that I read. It's now, I think, there are around 50 days that they've been out there consecutively still fighting. And I think New York's numbers may be around the same. So people don't be fooled. We're still out there. We're, we're going strong. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's kind of, instead of it's, instead of people marching the streets so much now, it's um, lots of discussions and it's people who are like joining together and joining with lawyers and um, mm -hmm. trying to create concrete changes for the NYPD specifically. Um, yeah, interns, which we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on all of this. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so my question for you is, what is it like covering a protest as opposed to being a part of one? I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a journalist. I work for Blavity. Shameless plug. I love them. <laughs> um, but I did not attend an actual protest here in Miami or anywhere I haven't moved. It's coronavirus. But um, I didn't actually go March. I wish I did. I kind of like wanted to go. I've definitely been covering them. And like I said, the protests haven't stopped. Um, I'm writing almost every single day about the protests and the marches and everything that's going on. Writing about a protest is definitely different than attending one. It's emotionally draining as well. I realized one day I like stopped in the middle of one of my shifts and I almost like broke down in tears because we started so because of coronavirus and everything going on like I had to start working more hours just because there was so much to cover um, that was going on in the world and then right after coronavirus and all of my reporting about coronavirus and how that's disproportionately affecting black people, black people and brown people, then all of a sudden we get into the civil unrest and it's been every single day talking about this person was killed by police. These people are demanding these changes. So at one point I like took a breath and I was like, holy shit, it's just, it's a lot. It's so much. Um, so that was kind of like an eye-opening moment for me. As a reporter, I think it's frustrating in the fact that I work for an independent media company so we're not you know mainstream we're not CNN we're not ABC so everyone keeps asking like why aren't we still covering this why aren't we still talking about it and it's like hello I'm, I'm still here I'm still writing I'm still working I'm still getting a paycheck for this so I'm here I'm doing the work you guys are just not looking for that <laughs> and it's also fresh it's empowering to see that people are still out there and we're still fighting tooth and nail every single day but it's also tiring in the sense of like we're not seeing as much change as rapidly as we would hope for. So going in every day and covering this is just like, okay, when, I mean, we've seen changes and we've seen progress for sure. And I'm not going to take away from that, but officers are still not being arrested. People are being let out on bail. Officer unions are quitting because their colleagues are being treated badly, quote unquote, like, so it's definitely emotionally draining in a different sense, but it's also really empowering because I see my people out there and I get to write about them and like celebrate the 
hard, hard, hard work that they're doing. Absolutely. And when you are, because you're so heavily involved in media, are you seeing, were you seeing like a lot of the looting and the rioting? Were you seeing uh, like peaceful protests? Like what were you witnessing from your perspective? As an independent media writer, I was definitely seeing like all parts of the protest. Um, I think more mainstream media likes to focus on one or the other, depending on where you're getting your meet, like news from. We all know, you know, Fox News is definitely reporting more heavily on the violence part of it, if you can even call it that. I mean, we'll talk about that later. They're definitely focusing on like what they think is like the bad side of protesting, while other news outlets are, were, well, we're covering um, more so the peaceful protests and stuff. But because I report for an independent media site, I I like to put all of it in there because it's not just one or the other. And when you're consuming news and when you're a person who puts news out there, you know, I like to be as objective as possible. And I it, there's definitely a sense of like, you have to show both sides or not even both at this point, it's like all sides. Um, so... I get a lot of my content and like my sources from social media and social media, especially Twitter is a great outlet to find stories and videos and pictures that they aren't showing on mainstream media. So whether it's violent and people rioting and people looting or just people marching hand in hand walking down the street or the police officers inciting the violence at first. Um, I've definitely written and reported on everything at this point. And there was a lot of that. Um, the media kept showing, like on, on the television, kept showing like people breaking into stores and burning stuff um, in New York and all across the country. And from my experience, the majority of the protests were peaceful and they were almost always peaceful until a police would like randomly shove someone and then people would start getting angry. And then like a police car would just like run into a group of people who are just like peacefully protesting, literally standing there with their signs and their masks on, not doing any harm, like not being aggressive, giving each other water bottles, giving each other snacks. Like every, there, there was such a, like a community feeling there and the police were just like, we're just gonna barrel through you guys with our cars and like create havoc for no reason. That was really frustrating. Um, and then, you know, they would, Fox would never show that. And like MSNBC was pretty good about it, but a lot of news outlets did not show any of that. The police just being militant for no, for no reason, totally unnecessarily. I rarely saw a civilian press a police officer. It was almost always the other the other way around. And then also I just wanted to touch really quickly on the fact that I saw a lot of the looting was was happening by by white influencers, people who were recording themselves doing it. That was like trending, which is ridiculous. Watching white people destroy pub public property for views that was the majority of, like in new york i can't really speak forever but in new york like that's what that those those are the people who were destroying public property it was it was white people who were recording it for attention and that was really disturbing to watch um and if you are going to protest don't be like those people because we hate you <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry that in and of itself just makes me so angry the white people doing it for views and stuff and we'll get into that but i wanted to touch on what you said about the protests being peaceful for the most part. And that's exactly what I saw as well. And what I started reporting on in, you know, the first few days of the protest that 
people just wanted to go out there and march and hold up signs and do all of that. And the violence definitely from what I saw and from what I reported on was mainly started from police officers in a lot of cases. And a lot of people are like, no, you can't be violent, blah, blah, blah. And like the officers are there to protect you. But when an NYPD SUV literally drives into a crowd of people, I think at that point you can objectively, whether whoever you're going to vote for, whatever your stance on this is, that's just so wrong. And you can objectively see that the people weren't doing anything except being there to march. And on Twitter, there's a thread that I bookmarked that at this point, well, the last time I checked it, it had about like 200 cases of police officers starting the violence in protest. And I think that's just like insane. And in one day alone, officers across the country blinded eight people. So when people are like, oh, the police officers are like the good people and like the good cops, and I freaking hate that term, good Blue cops. Lives matter. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's a whole other argument that I will passionately get angry about and have gotten angry about many a times. And, but speaking on the peaceful protest, um, I also don't want to shy away from the discussion of looting and rioting and that being something bad, because I definitely think that that is a valid point of protest at this point. Um, MLK once said, like, a riot is a voice of the unheard. And I think that's like the perfect way to describe what's going on right now. We've done the peaceful protest for many, many, many years at this point, And the white people didn't want to give it to us then so at this point like we're just taking it the fuck back and I mean Colin Kaepernick literally did what I think is the most peaceful protest of all like that man literally put his knee on the ground (laughs) literally put his knee on the ground and the white people went crazy and so many people were like I'm boycotting the NFL I think Mike Pence like left one of his games at that point I think he like went into the game saw that he took a knee and then like as like you know a show of this is wrong he got up and left and at that point I'm just like what other peaceful protests do what else can you do literally what else can you do like we're not also too I think like as seen in the 1960s and in the first wave of the civil rights movement it kind of has to go hand in hand in some ways. Like you can't just have a peaceful protest, but then you also can't just have violence in the street and setting buildings on fire. Um, You know, we're not all going to walk down the street hand in hand singing Kumbaya all day. That's not going to get us anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're totally right. And like the people who looted out of actual anger and not views are totally entitled to fear that, to feel that anger. And, um, you know, most people were peaceful. Those people who were not peaceful, if you were doing it for the, if you were being angry and you were looting and rioting for the right reasons and like do your, do your thing, like policing started off as a way to keep slaves in check. Policing was initially a slave patrol. People are angry about it. You have a, we have a right, we have a right to be angry about the fact that police are still in existence and they still have, they're still able to carry on guns and harass people and get away with it and never get any, and never have any type of, type of repercussions. Um, you know, it's a system that 
has been purposely oppressive and has always targeted black people in this country. And it's really, it's just really terrible and it needs to be totally changed. And people have a right to be angry. I remember some people at my job were like, I work with like all white people and like most people at my company are white. And they were like, well, you know, we, I would be like, oh, I'm logging off at six to go to a protest. And they were like, well, be careful. You know, there's so many dangerous people who are, who are rioting and they're getting so angry. And I'm like, yeah, because their friends keep literally getting murdered and the cops keep getting away with it. And cops are not being sent to jail. And there, there's a deeply rooted issue here that hasn't been addressed. And when it is addressed, it's ignored. And when Colin Kaepernick tries to address it peacefully, it's dismissed and he's he gets in trouble for it. Also, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that there are still a bunch of protests happening in New York City and around the country. There's even been like outdoor yoga classes that have like merged into vigils and people having discussions, lots in Brooklyn, lots in New York, lots in Queens. And I think people, you should continue to educate yourself on where you can be a part of be a part of the the movement. You can do it online. You can do it virtually. Um, they have sit-ins. People sit and talk about uh, reform and what they want to see changed and defunding and reallocation of funds. And that is usually not televised, but recorded Zoom or something. You can join that online. Um, I highly recommend joining just joining Justice for George Floyd. It's an Instagram page, and he posts whoever runs that actually posts all of this information on how you can get involved virtually from the safety of your home. So yeah, I think that's been one of like the happier moments for me and seeing all these protests that the beauty of black people is that what we create and what we do. Um, there's been a lot of protests that haven't really been the typical way you see protests and marching down the streets. I think it might've been in New York, a big group of people mostly black people did yoga on the black lives matter street that was painted i think that was beautiful so i think you know going out and marching and doing all of that isn't for everyone but i think the beauty of it is that there can be protests in like different ways and you can show your solidarity in different places and different ways i do want to talk about white people and non-black people protesting (laughs) i just want to say to all the non-black people out there you know, there's a thing called like protesting etiquette. I have like a little list for you guys to follow when you're out there. So one of the first things I want to say is understand what is going on before you go out there. You know, educate yourselves, figure out what the protest is exactly for, what led to the protest, what they're calling for. Just educate yourselves. Don't show up and be kind of clueless and be like, oh, hey, what's going on? Let me just jump into this to like be cool because it's not cool. The second thing, understand that you're there to support and you're there as like a show of solidarity and don't make it about yourself. Like show up for the sole purpose of like wanting to help and wanting to uplift other people's voices that aren't yourselves. And in that, not making it about yourself, do not make it a freaking photo op. Like, oh my God, have you seen it? Like you were saying, like people have been recording, like, oh my God. They literally, like, there were were people who were just, like, standing outside the street and they were, like, super dressed up with, like, makeup, hair done, heels on, and had someone take a picture of them holding a sign. I was like, you are missing the point here. We don't want 
people like this protesting get the fuck out of here like go home meanwhile black people are like in running shoes getting tear gas like having to run from the police like that's not cute if you if i find one of you guys using a photo op i'm i'm gonna report your ass i'm (laughs) take it down just take it down right now like don't don't embarrass yourselves and wait until i find it just do it right now please (laughs) um Another thing is don't police or try to tone down the voice of angry black people. We're protesting because we're angry. Like you can't say, oh no, we should be doing this or don't do that. Like, no, this isn't about you. I get to decide how my anger is manifested and how, you know, I show that. So if you don't like what's going on and if you're like, oh, looting isn't okay. And I see people breaking a window, like just go home. Like, turn around also like in that take the lead of black people if black people are there who say you know this is going to be strictly a peaceful protest we don't want looting and rioting and all of that then just don't do it it's as simple as that there was a story that i wrote a few women in la i think it was were tagging a starbucks and like breaking the windows and stuff and a bunch of black women had to like run up to them and they're like no don't do that like this is not that type of protest and it it just angered me so much because like i hate the term like it's gonna make us look bad because at like i'm very against that sentence and in the state of like you know whatever we do there shouldn't be like a stereotypical aspect to it like there's no reason for anyone ever to say any type of stereotypes but in that case like we're dealing with such a heavy topic and a heavy touchy subject that if this is like a peaceful protest then that is what it is you don't get to decide what it is and what it isn't yeah if if a white person smashes starbucks then it goes in the news and they're like crazy thugs that's the word they keep using destroy public property and then everyone's gonna assume because they're ignorant that uh, people who watch Fox News that it's people of color and it's these stupid ass white people and like who who are looting for no reason if you were looting for a reason it is different than looting for views and attention that's what like really gets me no a hundred percent and even if it was reported like that it was the white people doing it they probably would get better verbiage in that sentence and in that report than a black person would because like black people always get the negative connotations when it comes to media and like you don't want that to fall back on a black person because of your dumb white ass doing some bullshit that we didn't ask for it's ridiculous it's crazy yeah okay well on that note (laughs) so we'll be right back after the commercial break when we'll be talking about what the protests are calling for and what the next steps are regarding defunding the police and why you should care about it all right so this week we have a karen of the week what are you gonna do karen that's not my name so get my name straight go ahead you okay karen which is probably one of my favorite segments that we do on this podcast (laughs) i think it's so funny So, a few days ago, I don't know if you guys saw, but once again, a white lady fucked up really badly (laughs) in simplest of terms. So, this white lady, I'm not really sure her name, and at this point, I don't want to say I don't care, but, you know, it's not the most important part of the story. So, she was hurling racial slurs at a 14-year-old Black girl, which, first of all, you should not be hurling racial slurs at anyone let alone a 14 year old like how 
hurt do you have to be in your heart and how evil of a person do you have to be to be like talking down to a 14 year old when you're more than double their age that's disgusting she was also insulting a muslim woman she asked or she tried to rip off her hijab which is never acceptable like first of all don't touch people that you don't know um even if you do know them consent thank you very much um <laughs> let alone do not rip a muslim woman's hijab off i think that's horrible that's disgusting just don't do it after this happened it went viral of course because the internet loves talking about karens and let's be real they're Karens, but they're also white supremacists. Call a spade a spade. We can't continue like hiding behind like the funny trope of the Karen. It's funny, it is. I laugh at them, but they're also really dangerous. You know, I just want to say <laughs> karma's a bitch. And so <laughs> the day after this incident happened and this woman was showing her ass, she was walking down the street and she got hit by a fire department truck and she passed away it's really sad it's very tragic it's <laughs> it's horrible it's horrible you know anytime a person dies it's not good but you know don't be racist that's all don't i have to don't be racist and then you have less chance of dying prematurely <laughs> you know you know who knows maybe if she didn't spew hate hatred at this poor young girl god would have spared her life cut the cameras dead ass this is so bad but <laughs> i'm weak okay okay well, that was that was good welcome back to our little segment not really little very heavy quite large actually um, but we're going to talk about what the protests are calling for, what they've been calling for, what they're still calling for, um, and, you know, some of the progress that's been made, because there's quite a lot that's been made in, like, I know LA and um, New York have made some concrete changes, their police reform. So the Black Lives Matter protests and the movement have been calling for specific things, you know, in addition to arresting the officers that killed George Floyd. Mm -hmm. um, but they are there are specific demands for justice, as well as everything else that we've seen come about since all of this started and like the extra add-ins that we've seen. Yes, I'd say the main points are we that people want to see the end of qualified immunity. Uh, qualified immunity is what shields police from being held accountable to their victims when they blatantly violate people's civil rights. A lot of states want to see that gone. And when you end qualified immunity, the victims get a say in court, which is really big because a lot of people either die or go straight to jail. And it's a really broken system. They also want to see, we also want to see um, a ban on violent police tactics, which is obviously very broad, but you know, no carrying around guns, learning de-escalation tactics, and um, teaching the police to de-escalate a situation so that it doesn't come to all of these tragic situations where people are dying. Um, and they also, actually Massachusetts brought this up, I haven't seen it anywhere, but they want to ban facial surveillance, which um, usually targets women and does not end well for them, and it's very broken. So the protest started in the end of May after George Floyd's death, and since then there has been a lot of change in government and suggestions, uh, amendments, if you will, for government to change how the police are trained and taught, and uh, New York City really wants to de 
abolish and defund the police. Yeah, so in addition to, you know, officers being arrested and legislation change, I think one of the biggest demands that we've seen come out of this protest, which, you know, this isn't anything new. It's been around for a really long time, but I think it's kind of become a hot topic to talk about and you know more people are jumping on this idea of defunding the police and a lot of people always question like okay when you mean defund the police Mm -hmm. or abolish the police like do you really mean defund the police like a lot of people kind of like don't really know or like are kind of hesitant about it. And I just wanna let everyone know like, yes, defund the fuck out of the police. Like their budgets do not need to be that large. And in a society, we can do without the police. Yeah, and a lot of realistic change for like the next year or two would require governments, independent governments to start to abolish the police and to start defunding it's going to be a gradual process and it doesn't mean defunding every department all at once um it would be a process that would require officials to strategically reallocate funds and resources in a responsible way away from police and towards community-based models for safety and support and health public safety public health for example this would be a great thing that they new york can do the cops right now are trained to do it all, in quotations, do it all. They're, you know, they do traffic violations, they do public indecency, you know, people drunk on the streets. They also handle domestic violence issues. I don't know how one person can be special, can be knowledgeable enough to know everything about all three of those totally different topics. Especially when police training is not that long. It's like, they're minimal. not required to go to a four-year college. Mm-hmm. Um, police I mean I don't know exactly how long um police school or police training whatever it's called is is for but it's definitely not four years it's and they definitely don't need like a bachelor's degree right yeah and the people who respond to crises within communication should be the people who are best equipped to handle a crisis so a cop who deals with drug raids probably shouldn't come out and deal with the domestic violence call and instead, they should send someone who's trained in social work to come take care of that issue. That would make the most sense. You can train cops in social work, and then that cop can do his thing, and that would be great. But that's not happening right now. And so that's a pretty easy thing, a pretty easy change to implement right now would be to educate these cops on further than they've already been educated, which I think is very minimal. I'm not totally sure the exact number of hours that it takes for a cop to be trained, but I don't think it's that much one amendment that we've seen or specifically you've seen since you've been in new york is the breathe bill do you want to talk about that yes (laughs) so the breathe bill is a bill that was implemented by two young people in new york city you can learn more about it on the breathe official page and it has the potential to have a nationwide impact and it's really great they made two amendments and each amendment has like like six or seven causes, six or seven changes that they want to see happening. But basically, people were doing research and they realized that Black people are more than twice as likely to be killed by the police. And this has manifested in the countless lives lost as the result of systemic racism, you know, everything we've been talking about. There's lots of inherent racial bias in the police force and that needs to be changed and that can easily be changed. That doesn't take thousands of dollars to change, you know. And there's an ever-growing list of names that turned hashtags 
and quote uh, the Breathe official page. We have an ever-growing list of names that turn into hashtags, yet little has been done to address this issue by the time of the stagnancy of the Black condition is over and we demand change, not in the coming years, but now. And that was really powerful. And following that quote, they list a whole bunch of amendments to list a few because I would be sitting here forever if I was going to go over the whole document. But they want to see police officers undergo a minimum of two years of training, including a standard six months of defensive training, investigative procedures and patrol procedures, as well as 18 months of training in cultural sensitivity, which I definitely don't do now, de-escalation practices, conflict management, first aid, and social outreach training with emphasis on non-violent community policing. And so I'm assuming that not everyone can be like perfect in all of these subgroups, but you, you pick one and then you, they want to see everyone trained in all of these things. And then like you focus in on, you hone in on one that there's a little footnote that says training for all of these areas would be outsourced to appropriate agencies. So a police officer would be taken to a social work agency to learn about de-escalation tactics with domestic violence situations. And then he would be a pro on that. And then he would go and take care of those different kinds of calls as opposed to just like having any old cop go. Secondly, I'm gonna, they want to see police departments require all officers to participate in 70 monthly paid hours of community engagement services. Um, they want to see community police relations or, and meetings held um, where people can talk, where police officers can get to know their community. They want to see racial bias screenings and implementations of training programs to better address official lack of empathy and understanding for marginalized communities. They want, this was interesting, all police officers to undergo periodical psychological evaluations every six months to look for impulse control issues, um, prone to violence, lack of empathy. And if you show these, you would any of these um, issues you would have to take off time and then undergo counseling and then you can return back to work hopefully as a better human being. The people who wrote this bill are encouraging therapy. Body cameras have to always stay on and functional at all times and if you tamper with them you get charged with obstruction of justice. I liked that that mm -hmm. cause. That is very valid. A public safety collective will be established to respond to 911 calls related to public intoxication and wellness checks arguments and mental health checks. The collective will consist of social workers and violence interrupters when responding, and they would be hired by the city and pay as much as the cops in that city. So the cops won't even have to do that kind of thing. It'll be taken care of by social workers, and the social workers will have communication with the cops. And I think that is awesome. If you're not going to train the cops to do it, then you might as well hire somebody else to take care of those issues because, you know, not everyone can do everything. And then there's a whole other amendment that talks about police being held accountable for issues, unpaid suspension the force of implicit bias training, how chokeholds should not even be legal. You shouldn't even be able to hold someone in a chokehold. Constraint techniques are outdated and fucked up and should not be used at all because that's how people die. Learning de-escalation should be a mandatory tactic. And uh, like I said earlier, abolishing qualified immunity and um, putting a cap on spending for the police, essentially. That's, that's all of this in a nutshell. It's very extensive, but um, yeah, New York wants to see a lot of changes. The NYPD do not have a good reputation. That's all I have to say on that matter. I think the Breathe Bill is a good start to mm -hmm. forming the police system that we have right now and essentially defunding and abolishing the police, you know, later down the road. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, until we do away with completely abolishing the police system until that because you know I don't see it happening within you know the next year or so it's going to take some time yeah. I think until then officers really need to be trained in 
what's going on so we don't see another senseless killing like the many that we've seen like Breonna Taylor, um, Elijah McClain and there's just numerous 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 amount of people that we've seen that these tactics if you know put into place a lot sooner than what they have been I think it would have saved so many lives you know a lot of people are like okay maybe we can do police reform rather than just police abolition and or like the funding of the police and I think right you know personally I think amendments are good and police reform is good but to everyone saying oh what are you gonna do when you can't call a police officer like what are you gonna do when someone breaks into your house and you can't there's no officer there to respond to the call and like those people clearly don't really know and aren't aware of like the realities of what happens when you do call a police officer and like the decision that it takes for a black person to call the police and AOC said it best um she got on I don't know if it was like an Instagram live or just Instagram stories I don't know if you saw this Devin but someone had she was doing like a QA and a and someone asked her like oh what would a society without policing look like and she's like it looks like your white suburb. And so what a lot of folks are talking about um, when it comes into this movement is that they're asking for the same budget priorities that many affluent suburbs already have. Well, and it may sound strange, but uh, many off affluent suburb suburbs have essentially already begun pursuing a defunding of the police in that they fund schools, they fund housing, and they fund health care um, more as their number one priorities. Because you know, white people barely ever have to call for police officers. And, you know, when they do, it's officers who are a part of their community. And, you know, it's for a burglary or, you know, something like that, as opposed to when officers come into black and brown communities that they aren't a part of that, you know, they live 45 minutes away from they don't know their community and just honestly wreak havoc in our lives. Yeah. I think it's very short term, um, but I do think that bills like the one that I quoted earlier aim to protect, you know, African-Americans in those similar in similar situations at this point in time, because people, you know, we don't want to see anyone else die. Yeah. Senselessly. So for now, that's perfect. Eventually, if we can abolish the police entirely, I think that would be amazing. And that's going to take a very long time, but I think Mm -hmm. it will happen. I agree. But it's really... At its core, I don't think it's that difficult to, you know, encourage discussion between the community and the police officers, because I think even just having that, like, one little change would make a massive difference. But since the protests, we've, you know, some cities actually have started in defunding the police. The LAPD budget will be cut they decided that 100 million to 150 million dollars of their current budget will be reallocated into communities of color and i just want to stop and talk about how that number is massive that was probably like their food budget (laughs) no oh my goodness did you see on twitter i don't know what city it was but police department in some city spent thousands of dollars on like cheese puffs yeah And they were called out on Twitter and I guess like the department saw the tweet and they're like, oh, you know, like we keep food 
like in our department, like in our offices, not only for the offices, like throughout the year, like it's like a yearly thing, I guess, but also like for our community, like in case we need to go out and feed people. I'm like, you are not feeding the homeless people at all. Second of all, you're definitely not spending thousand dollars on cheese puffs to then give out to the community like that's not how it works this wasn't for me I don't want to take that credit for this but people were saying like you know officers are officers they're enforcers of the law they're not like executioners they're not judges and like I think we've seen that like so clearly now in the past two months and like once you arrest someone if they're doing something wrong because you know police officers like to detain people who aren't doing anything wrong hello George Floyd they shouldn't decide who gets to live and who doesn't and you know like I said earlier like the police in this country the the whole system was formed keep track of and then kill black people so they're just you know continuing the tradition it just it breaks my heart and I just get so frustrated about it I really hope that after all of these protests after all of the attention that black people have been getting in the media the amazing attention like I hope that schools change their history department a little it's really not that difficult to include black authors and black leaders in history with besides like talking about them in february and black history month you can just include people normally and maybe get rid of the chapter on columbus or like make it a you know 20 minute conversation because or like actually talk about what he actually did and not just like, oh my God, he dis- discovered America. No, he didn't. Fun fact, Columbus is in the bad place because of all the raping, slave trade, and genocide. Okay, so we've covered the protests and we've talked a little bit about defunding and abolishing the police. And now we're just gonna segue into a little conversation about what comes next, why you should care about the future, why you should vote. And we're going to talk a little bit about some resources that you can read and watch to educate yourself further on the issues at hand. It's frustrating because like at this point you should know what is going on and you should be educated. But a lot of people, especially I think like the older generation, is still kind of like questioning why are they protesting? Like, why are they on the streets? Like, what's going on? The main point is people educate yourselves. And if you're feeling desensitized to the issues, like for a brief moment, I feel like I saw less people or fewer posts on Instagram. And um, that was a little bit disheartening. Or if you've seen so much violence that you're becoming desensitized to the violence, that's also an issue. We have to find some sort of middle ground where um, people can have open conversations like listen are having about what's going on without feeling super depressed like I was initially feeling when George Floyd was first murdered. I feel like for Black people specifically or non-Black allies, I think it can it can definitely be a lot. We're seeing protests literally every single day and I saw a post that was like social media and the Black community have to mourn someone almost every single day in the past two months and it's a lot it's heavy um no one should go through this you know desensitization of what's going on is really scary because it's like you don't want to get caught up in it every single day and you're just like it's just something again it's some it's again happening yeah what's gonna happen tomorrow whatever I think it's important for us to you know take a step back and you know do the self-care it's okay to like say 
I'm done for the day or I'm done for a little bit. You just have to be conscious of how much you can handle. Yeah. At one point I was really feeling like super desensitized to everything and um, to the violence. And then I realized that I don't want to be desensitized. I'd rather feel super angry. and upset and sad than feel nothing and you know create something like we're creating right now like this is amazing and I think more people should do something like I think more lots of white people were disturbed by all of us and they were just posting on Instagram and I'm like that is wonderful talk to your white friends about what's going on don't ask me but talk in groups of people you know about what's happening how it makes you feel talk read books and talk about the books I'm about to list off a whole bunch of great books for you. Me and Alicia are going to tell you a bunch of, about a bunch of really great Netflix shows. Read them, watch them, and then discuss them. And that is growth. If you want to learn, you need to educate yourself. Read White Fragility and you'll have a better understanding. Read The New Jim Crow. Oh my God, that book. I, I think everyone needs to read that book, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, like Asian, like everyone in the world should read Jim Crow, The New Jim Crow. Yep. It's by Michael Michelle Alexander. Read that book. It will help you join our book club. Okay. Shameless plug. Hood feminism. It's going to be awesome. Read it and then we can all talk about it and then we can all grow together and educate ourselves and it's going to be wonderful. You've actually been reading White Fragility, right? Mm -hmm. How do you like it so far and like what you want to give us like a little synopsis of it? Well, my mom read it initially and then she made my dad read it and then she made me read it and it's it's really interesting it addresses all of the necessary topics that white people need to listen to I think it's it's written it she says it's written for white people you know still in the process of reading it but I've made a pretty nice dent and it's a great resource if you have questions about race if you have questions about like as a white person where you stand I think it's more helpful for white people too read it than for black people because like a lot of the stuff I'm like I already knew that yeah I don't need to be taught that I already knew that but a lot of white people don't know um they also talk about the privilege you have of being a person of color if you have like a lighter skin tone versus a darker skin tone or being biracial the privileges you have if you're biracial we're both biracial, we're both biracial. We, understand, <laughs> we understand the privileges that come with that um, it's a really good book. I highly recommend looking into reading it. Uh, the Racial Wealth Gap, When They See Us, and Who Killed Malcolm X. They're all on Netflix. Jarell Jerome's in it. He went to Ithaca. Shout out, Jarell. First of all, When They See Us is beautifully done. Um, but I do recommend watching 13th by Ava DuVernay. My queen, I'm obsessed with her. Also, if you read, if you watch that, I think it really goes well hand in hand with the new Jim Crow. So the new Jim Crow talks about the police system and incarcerated people, specifically Black people, and how the police system and the prison system is used as basically a new form of slavery. And that goes hand in hand with 13th because 13th talks about 13th Amendment and how there's kind of a loophole in the system. So everyone should watch it to understand that it's like a constant cycle for black people while we abolish the police we should also abolish incarcerated um systems and for-profit prisons which you know should be a whole other topic on this i think that should be our next episode honestly that would be a really good next episode so yeah i can talk on and on about ava duvernay because she's just a beautiful person inside and out (laughs) also watch the news please please to everyone who says on Twitter, why isn't the news talking about this? Or like, this should be reported on. Like, 
it's being reported on. You're just not watching the news. Watching the right news. Oh my god, yes. Watch transparent media. MSNBC does a pretty good job. Um, When they were covering the protests, they did a good job showing everything. And they also interviewed a lot of Black governmental figures and prominent Black people in the U.S. And they got their opinions on issues. And that was great. When you're watching news, especially like broadcast news and digital news, you have to be very wary of where you're getting your information from. I think MSNBC is a great source. CBS is a great source. I agree. A friend of mine actually um, submitted a question and she said, how do these protests affect and relate to other non-Black groups? But I, she was still implying like other marginalized groups. Um, everyone should care. Everyone should participate. If you are not white, you should care. If you are white, you should also care. <laughs> because then how are we going to make any progress if the white people don't give a shit? Do you have anything to add? <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think also when I read this question, the first thing that came to my mind in regards to like how Black Lives Matter protests affect everyone else, I recently just finished, it's called When They Call You a Terrorist, and it's by Patrice Cullors, who is the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement. In her book, she talks about how the Black Lives Matter movement and Black liberation calls for intersectionality and freedom for everyone. So the movement itself was centered specifically on and for Black women, but that doesn't mean it's just for Black women or Black people. Um, If you call for, like, liberation of Black people is also included in you know, LGBTQ liberation and freedom for Muslim people and any other marginalized and oppressed groups. But, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement calls for the liberation of everyone else. And I think it kind of culminated into Black Lives Matter just because Black lives include so many other marginalized groups as well. Yep. And until Black people are free, no one in this country is is free. you know everyone should be listening right now and everyone should be taking notes and everyone should be educating themselves because if you're a woman you're still technically oppressed in this country and you should care about the movement you should be participating you should recognize that as an oppressed uh gender you have a you you should have you should i say should because like i just can't fathom not caring about what's going on um, but I am a woman and I am black. So I'm like, uh, all women should be fighting this fight mm-hmm. with black people. I think that's all we have for today. Do you want to add anything else? No, I think tired. this conversation <laughs> has been sweating. Like, no, yeah. I'm like, I got hot bothered during this. Um, I think this has been a great conversation. I think we've touched on like so many aspects of protesting and, you know, if we really got into it, we'd, once again, we'd be here forever. Like, there's so many important topics within this topic. I think we did a good job. <laughs> All right, guys. So that is our episode. I mean, we touched on so much. I'm sure there's so much more that we could have touched on, but I think we did a, a solid, solid job here. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will post the resources on our Instagram if you want to go back and reference them. And if you have any further questions, you can always um, type in a little question into our bio link 
on our Instagram. And that's all I have for today. That's all we have. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for next week. Thank you. Or talk to you soon. (laughs) This call has now been disconnected. Thank you. Black Friend Collective. We will talk to you again soon. Guess what? BFC is starting a book club. Or at least we're trying to. The BFC book club's first pick is Hood Feminism by Miki Kendall. Join us and have it read by mid-August. We'll keep you updated. Hope to see you there. Go crazy, go crazy, go stupid. Look up, down to the side. Why can we feel a little?